0: Decisions, decisions. Sometimes we have important decisions to make in life. Sometimes we're brought to a point where we might say, I'm at a crossroads. Are you at a crossroads in your life? Where if we pictured it with a directional sign, you you have to make a decision, you have to go one way or the other. Or maybe you're able to keep continuing on with in the same direction and you don't have to really make a decision or maybe you might find yourself making a change in your life and you didn't even realize it was happening but there were some other factors that just kind of pulled you or or forced you in 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 another direction what do you do when you're at a crossroads in your life In this series on cross-examination, when we're looking at the role the cross of Jesus plays in our life, does the cross make a difference for you when you're standing at a crossroads? Let's listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, in which he describes for us some different crossroads that face us and how the cross does make a difference. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction Like his glorious body. Wow, what a a high point, what a point of encouragement Paul ends on, huh? Looking forward to Jesus coming back in his glory and then to transform us into glory. No wonder why this letter that he writes to the Philippians is often called a, a letter of joy. Many times throughout the letter, he was using the word rejoice. And giving us reasons why we can be joyful, even him. And he was writing this letter from prison because he was there because of what he believed. But did you catch a couple of the words that he had in the middle of our text? Where it said, now he was weeping. Paul's crying. Not over his circumstances, no. He was joyful in suffering for Christ, if that's what it meant. But he was sorrowing now because some people had made a decision in their life, had changed their lives, so that now they were living as enemies of the cross. And that broke his heart. With those words, he perhaps is setting before us Something that we often struggle with, or maybe are seeking and and don't even really realize it, how much that we do it, and that is looking for identity in our life, looking for who we can be, looking for how we show others who we are. And that involves a choice. Now, sometimes you live a certain way because that's the culture in which you were brought up. To just say you're American really doesn't describe necessarily your lifestyle uh, because there are so many different cultures here in America. So you come with a particular culture or upbringing already. And so Paul, when he's talking about our identity, says here's the choice. Do you want to live like you're a captive of sin or like you're a citizen of heaven? Now, he didn't use the word captive of sin in our text, but he did use the word citizen of heaven. I suppose to show the opposite of citizen, I could have said, uh, are you living like an inhabitant of the earth? That's a phrase the Apostle John uses in the book of Revelation in which he's talking about unbelievers. But you and I aren't unbelievers, but yet we can be captives of sin. You remember the words that we just read from Paul's letter to the Ephesians a few minutes ago in which he was describing our background, the spiritual culture from which we came. He said, all of us also lived among them at one time. That is, among the unbelievers, among people who were just interested in life in this world. We were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. By nature, we're captives of sin. That's the culture that's inside of us. But he also said we're citizens of heaven. There's a change that was made in our life. And so now as, as we're looking for identity, who we should be, what do I want to be, what do I want to show people who I am, it comes down to the choice Are you a captive of sin or a citizen of heaven? And Paul urges us to listen to God's calling to the cross. Because when we're at that crossroad in life, the cross will make a difference. Listen to God's calling. He says you are a citizen of heaven. Now, how does one become a citizen? Well, you can be born in the country and then your citizenship is, I guess, automatically there. Or you can transfer in. You know, you, you come in and maybe you fill out some paperwork or have to take some tests. Or, or you do something to show you now want to be and you qualify for being a citizen of this new place. So, how did we become citizens of heaven? By birth. You might say, by birth, Pastor, you just said, by birth, I'm a captive of sin. By the second birth. By that birth that God has given you by the Spirit. By the birth that happened at your baptism. By the birth that happened when you heard the word of grace, in which God announced to you that he's changed your life. He's removed your sin because of the sacrifice that was made on the cross on Calvary. He has washed you clean in the blood of Christ. He has now changed your status before him so that you are not an inhabitant of the earth, you're not a captive of sin, but you are a citizen of heaven. That's our new identity. Paul chose his words carefully when he was writing to the Philippians, and the word citizenship was a key word to the Philippians. You see, they weren't living in Rome, but they were Roman citizens. Philippi happened to be a colony in the Roman Empire. And it would have been horrible for them to think of themselves as not being Roman citizens, not having that dignity and honor, not having those privileges that came with membership. So for them to hear that they were citizens also of heaven was something that gave them encouragement and reminded them of the privileges that come with that membership. So he was urging them, don't do anything to violate your citizenship. Don't live in any way that would betray who you really are. You see, that's why Paul was weeping. Because there were people who were among them who changed their mind when they had a decision to make, when they came to a crossroad about who they were, they chose a different path and so showed that they were captives of sin. Where do you look to find or to show your identity? Does your identity come from the position you have at work, from your rank at school? Does your identity come from the clothes you wear, the people you hang out with, or the activities you choose? No, I'm not condemning any of those things. However, if that's where we are going to find our identity, what are we reflecting about who we are? Are we reflecting that we're part of the world? Or are we going to reflect that we're part of heaven? Listen to what God calls you to in the cross and reminds you of who you are there. Because there's the real, the best, and the blessed, and the eternal identity. You are God's child. You are an heir of heaven and a citizen of heaven. There's where our joy comes. There's where identity comes. And there is the path we choose to walk on. Now, sometimes we are faced with... Decisions that require us to make a choice. And, and sometimes we maybe are looking for some direction in life. What should I do? What's going to be of the best benefit for me? It could be something as simple as living arrangements, as we just heard exemplified here, or, or maybe something about a career or an activity or who you hang around with. There's a choice that has to be made again Will you live like an enemy of the cross or like an imitator of Christ? An enemy of the cross. Come on, pastor. Look who you're talking to. You're talking to people who are sitting here in church. Why would we be called an enemy of the cross? Remember that Paul was referring to people who had been part of their congregation at one time who were there listening to God, who said, yes, I believe in Christ, and I will follow him. But now they came to a crossroad in their life, and they made a change. Now, biblical scholars aren't exactly sure what group of people he was talking about, because there were two different influences going on. There was one group of people who was saying that, well, yes, while well, Jesus died for our sins. You know, there's not a, that's not enough yet, because... We still have to show our worthiness to God. We still have to show him that we can please him and that we need to do something to qualify to get into heaven. So they were saying just believing in Christ was not enough. They wanted to add their efforts to it. And by doing that, you were showing contempt for the cross. It wasn't enough. But then there was another group of people who went to the opposite extreme. Since Christ has paid for my sins and since there is nothing that I need to do to get into heaven, what does it matter how I live? I might as well live any way I want to, whatever pleases me, because it's going to be forgiven. That's showing contempt for the cross, showing you're an enemy of the cross because you don't value, you don't appreciate, you don't trust what God has done for you. So where do you look, what do you do when you have some decisions to make about activities or changes in your life, things that have to do with your job, with school? Do you simply look and see what everybody else is doing? Or do you follow this crossroad? As Paul said, look how he describes it here. There are people who are living with destiny, with their destruction as their destiny. Their God, he said, is their stomach. That is, they're just following their own passionate desires. All they're doing is living a self-centered, selfish way of life. They're only interested in what benefits me now. And their glory is in their shame, he said. They do things that people consider shameful and they glory in it. That's what they want to do. That's what drives them. That's their enjoyment. He said their mind is set on earthly things. What drives you? What leads you when there are decisions you have to make? Does the cross make a difference in your life? Paul urges us to follow God's leading with the cross. Rather than living as an enemy of the cross, he says, let's be imitators of Christ. Look at his words again at the beginning. He says, let us live up to what we've already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now, Paul was not holding himself up as, as like the, the key person to follow for Christian living but he was holding himself up as an example of someone who would follow the leading of the cross. Let me tell you why. You know, Jesus came to a crossroads in his life, too. He had a decision to make. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? When he prayed that if it were possible for this cup of suffering to be taken from him, he had a choice he could have made. To go the way of shame and pain, bearing the wrath of God for sins he never committed? They were our sins. Or was there another way that he could have taken to just resume his glory and show his power and enjoy the pleasures of heaven? You know what he chose, and you know what he got. He chose the way of shame and pain. Though he had lived a perfect life, no sin at all for us, he then took upon himself all of our sins and endured God's hatred and punishment for that sin. So you and I will never have to experience that. Yes, he chose the way of pain and shame so that he would also have the glory. Because he took his life up again to show he was the son of God, to show that he was innocent of sin, to show that you and I now have been changed, have been given a new status before God. He took up that glory again when he ascended to heaven and now is enthroned over all things. He's the savior of the world. And Paul says, that's who I want to cling to. And that's who I want to follow with every decision that I have to make. Because that cross of Christ has changed my life. It makes a difference. Yes, at every point of our life, including those crossroads. You need some direction today? One of the weeks coming ahead, some important decisions to make. Maybe you'll find yourself being influenced by others or pushed by people in a certain direction. Is it the right way to go? You might feel that you're looking at one of those signs on the street, you know, that shows you're at a crossroads. I have to go left or right now. What am I going to do? Well, how about look at this sign? There's a crossroad we want to be at. The crossroad that reminds us that our sin has been taken away. The crossroad that calls us to follow. Away from sin. And to live in a way that glorifies God. Because that's the best way. We can live with the attitude that Paul had when he wrote to the Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why Paul would use as a basis for his whole life this little statement from Philippians chapter 1, For me to live is Christ. The cross makes the difference. But what lies ahead? Are you concerned sometimes about the decisions you make or the direction you have taken in your life and and maybe, maybe what will come as a result? What's going to be the destiny? Well, there's a choice there. Will we live only concerned with the things of this earth? Or will we live in such a way that we know we have the security of heaven? There was a man in the Old Testament by the name of Lot. He was Abraham's nephew. And he was given a choice about where he could live. He chose to live in the valley that was green and lush. It would be good for feeding his herds and flocks. But it was also the area where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were. He chose to live there. And while his earthly concerns for his flocks were taken care of, he was on spiritual attack to the point where even his morals were worn down so that at one time he said to the men of that city, take my daughters and do with them as you please. Just leave me and my heavenly visitors alone. Now we maybe can't change the world around us, but we can certainly be on guard against how the world may change us. Are we only concerned about what's good for our life here and forget that heavenly security? So God calls us to look now to the promise that comes to us from the cross. That's what Lot's uncle, Abraham, did. God had given him the promise of that whole land of Canaan, And the scriptures tell us he lived there in tents, just moving around from place to place, no permanent home, because for him, the permanent home was the one that had permanent foundations, heaven. Or we think of Moses, who could have enjoyed the riches of Pharaoh because he grew up in Pharaoh's household, but instead he scorned all of those things so he could be identified with God's people because God had called him to be their leader and to lead them out from that slavery in Egypt. You see, where is your focus? Is it on the concerns of this earth or on that heavenly security? You have heavenly security. You have a promise that is certain. God has prepared heaven for you. The empty cross stands there and calls out to you, your sins have been paid for. The empty tomb shouts out to you, life has been restored. So now live in such a way to prepare yourself to receive what God has prepared for you. As Paul said, let's look forward eagerly to the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ, who with the power by which he controls all things will come back and transform this lowly life here on earth to be glorious like his life in heaven. That's the destiny God has set for us. So when it comes to different crossroads we have to make decisions at, let's look to the cross for guidance. When Paul said at the end here that Jesus has all things under his control, in in the Greek that word really meant God has got everything all lined up and prioritized. You know what that's telling us? that when we're at the crossroads, we have the assurance of God's forgiveness, of his guidance, to bring us the blessings of life now, and to take us to heaven for that eternal life. The cross does make a difference when we are at a crossroads. And so let's take this encouragement as the first verse of our text is translated in another Bible this way. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. It's God's way in the cross. Amen.